Welcome to Digital Soul Food. I'm your host, Jason Wallace, and I appreciate you checking out the podcast. Help your boy out by listening to the entire episode, subscribing and share with your friends and family, and letting everyone on Beyonce's internet know this is the next great podcast. In part two of Black Women in Tech, I speak with Ariel Lopez, founder and CEO of NAC, a tech hiring platform looking to disrupt the hiring process. Ariel has great experience as a recruiter in the tech space and breaks down the recruiting process, what it takes to win, and how we can start claiming these high-paying jobs for ourselves. You want to learn how to do that? Keep listening. All right, let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome everyone back to Digital Soul Food. I have with me Ariel Lopez, founder and CEO of NAC, a tech hiring platform. Welcome to the show, Ariel. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. How is it going on your end? Well, you know, I'm in New York, so we just found out that we're probably going to go on a semi-lockdown for, you know, a couple couple more days to see how this thing pans out. Um, and yeah. then, you know, our president just told us we're not going to get the vaccine. Uh, we're probably gonna get a last. So, <laughs> well, luckily he is our president no more. I never even called him our president to begin with. I just called him forty-five or the ugly orange guy. Um, so he will be making an exit fairly soon, and we can start to get this country back on the right track. That is absolutely right, and that is definitely fair. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to. So as moving forward, but I think one of the weird things, um, when we went into the lockdown, it was a Friday the 13th, it was March 13th, and today is Friday the 13th, November 13th, so some, oh, some, wow. some symmetry there, um, but hopefully, again, we, it, doesn't, it's, it doesn't impact us as badly as um, it did in the beginning, um, and where are you at, so that we can talk about your COVID-related yeah. uh, I'm in Atlanta where everyone is roaming free <laughs> and doing whatever the hell they want. Um, so it, it, COVID here has been interesting to say the least. Um, I, ha however, have not really been out that much. I've tried to quarantine as much as possible. Um, and yeah, I think at this point, it's just about being responsible, not only for yourself, but for the people around you too. So I'm holding out on hope that we get out of, I guess, this current circumstance with COVID worsening and hopefully get to a point to where this kind of stabilizes and then going into next year, we start to decrease the cases and find a way out of this thing. Well, we appreciate Georgia for coming through for us. Uh, in we the do. Clutch. <laughs> um, and we, we're definitely pulling for you guys for these center races because it's, it's super important we get those two. It is. It is. Enough to the point I'm actually thinking of campaigning and volunteering for both of them. <laughs> so if you get a text, well, you probably won't, wouldn't get a text because you're not here. But if you're in Georgia and you're listening to this, you get a text from Ariel, it may be me. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we've been doing some phone banking, though. I know some of my friends have done phone banking for me. I'm definitely probably going to jump on and do some phone banking as well because uh, we got to get that vote out. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's imperative. Uh, so, 
you know, for today's show, you know, we talk about tech, right? And, you know, during this pandemic, it seems like this com- this this country, um, the tech sector really, really kind of flourished. You know, it's pretty resilient, um, even though other people are losing jobs and, you know, other industries are having a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, you are founder of a tech company. So before we get into that, let's kind of get your origin story. Like, let's tell people, you know, who Ariel is and uh, where is she from? Yeah, for sure. So you and I both met in the city. So New York, for all intents and purposes, I, I say adult hit me. Um, I grew up in North Carolina, but I moved to the city um, at the young age of 20. I dropped out of college. I can talk more about my origin story at length, but Ultimately, in college, I had started a nonprofit organization. Um, my freshman year was 2008, the recession. And I just, at the time, I thought I was going to go to law school um, and I was going to be in school forever. So, you know, I was just like, I'll just kind of stick it out and, and, and see what happens. And then ultimately, I started to find that friends were graduating and moving back home or graduating and finding like these low paying jobs. And I tell people like, I just kind of saw the gig before (laughs) it was up and said, you know what, you're not going to catch me. And I also felt as though whatever I would end up doing professionally, I wouldn't need a degree for. Luckily, I was I was right about that. So moved to New York on a whim. And I started my career in recruiting. Um, the only reason I have a company today, um, that company just so happens to be <laughs> in the recruiting and um, software space, um, but it has everything to do with my background and what kind of led me here. So ultimately, I have worked almost any kind of recruiting job you can think of. Um, in the early days, hiring for sales executives. Um, I worked with SAP at one point, um, placing contractors on like Fortune 5 projects. I worked on the agency side, so I used to be the headhunter that would call you out of the blue and say, hey, I have a number of different roles you may be interested in, right? So I really kind of uh, earned my stripes there. Um, I was in-house for a while at a software development and digital design firm overseeing recruiting, and then uh, my last job was actually at General Assembly, which is a really large boot camp, and I was a career coach there. So the last decade of my life has been spent really just around, um, you know, trying to figure out how to make the hiring process more efficient, how to break down barriers to entry for people that are looking to get into high growth tech jobs, filling this massive skills gap that exists, um, and ultimately just really thinking about the future of work and how I play a role in that. That's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's a great field because when you think about, right. Um, you know, we, we get recruited for jobs, you know, it's such a weird space. You know, it's, yeah. it's semi dating, you know, because you're, you're, <laughs> you're flirting a little bit. You're like, Hey, I like you. I kind of like you. But then you go meet the hiring leader who you're like, you know, engage with, and then you'll meet yeah. their parent, which is like their VP. Yeah, exactly. And, and exactly. sometimes if their parent doesn't like you, they're like, nah, get out of here. Um, You're right. And the offer is like, you seal the deal. You, that's when you get married, in my opinion. Yeah. There's so many parallels between dating and recruiting, to be honest. At one point, at some point, I'll write about it for sure. Yeah, you should. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so how did that come about? 
So NAC is really accumulation of all of those past experiences that I described. And I think in combination with seeing opportunity in the market and wanting to find a better way of doing things. So when I was at General Assembly, at that point, I wasn't hands-on recruiting. I was a career coach. So I shifted gears and really just kind of working with professionals of all backgrounds and trying to help them navigate, right? Like, how do we help you package your skills? How do we help you make sense of your background and really position, position yourself for success um, in the tech industry specifically? So I think that experience kind of opened me up to how hard it is for people when they're going through their job search. And I, there was just a great sense of empathy that was created for me in that time. And I started to think about the market. I started to think about how hard it is for people to find a job, how unprepared the entire workforce is for all of these, these digital and tech jobs. And I don't know, I just kind of felt purposeful to go out and uh, find a better way of doing things. So left General Assembly, um, this was 2016, for roughly two years, I worked with a ton of different tech companies from Spotify to Uber and everyone in between, um, helping them run hiring events and programming. Um, so at the time, it was really, really targeted on women of color, um, well, women and people of color, people that come from underrepresented backgrounds, helping them break through the noise. Um, and then also trying to understand where are people going wrong, right? Like what is the holdup on the hiring front that makes it so hard for people to break in? And what we recognized is it came down to volume, right? Like looking for a job feels like throwing your resume into a black hole and hoping someone sees it. And the reason why it feels like that is because that black hole actually does exist, right? It's called an ATS or an applicant tracking system. And every company has one. So anytime you look, you look for a job and you hit apply, that's where your application is going. It's not going straight to the recruiter. It's going into that system. And ultimately, if the recruiter doesn't see it, right, if they don't do, if they do a keyword search and you don't pop up, you're never gonna see your application. So most of the time when you get ghosted or you get the canned rejection email saying, sorry to inform you, we're going another direction. It's not because you're not good. It's not because you're not qualified. It's because the recruiter never saw you to begin with because there's so many applications in that system. We're talking hundreds of thousands, millions even, if we're thinking about large tech companies like Google or Amazon. Um, so I decided to, kind of stopped the offline portion of what we were doing. End of 2017, we spent all of 2018 building out the beta version of NAC, um, which is ultimately to solve that volume problem. Like how do we make it easier for companies to screen, sort, and manage applications in their pipeline? But also, can we possibly improve the candidate experience? Can we help people get feedback? Can we help them not get ghosted? Um, so mm -hmm. V1 of that, of the product launched last year. Um, and we are almost done with V2, which is about to launch um, actually in January. So it's a really busy time for us, um, just kind of going through this next phase of the business. But all that to say, there were 
you know, several pivots for us to get here. Like, A, I had to muster the strength to leave General Assembly post-GA. We did a lot of things offline that actually worked, but weren't scalable. And then ultimately, we made the decision to build out software, which takes time and is very costly. Um, and, you know, we're continuing to, to grow and scale the business now. But it takes a lot of work. It's definitely <laughs> not for the faint of heart. Um, but it's, it's something I can't, honestly can't see myself doing anything else but this at, at this current time. It's a noble cause, you know. As, I think so. <laughs> you know, I have, I've gone through, so I've gone through the process a few times, you know, obviously trying to find a job. And I guess the thing that really uh, resonates with me is when I do get that response, right? So you send out the email. I can probably count on a number of hands, how many times have actually gotten a response back? Oh, absolutely. Um, Same. And, <laughs> we and all like, have. Right. Yeah. But then, and, and then it's like, okay, or I mean, there's, there's times when maybe like seven, eight months later, I'll get an email in the middle of the night on like a Sunday yeah. night, because always on Sunday night, um, you know, sorry, you know, you're not going forward in the process. It's like, okay. It's so like, clearly, I forgot I even applied for this job, right? Exactly. Like, it's, it's just highly inefficient. And it really frustrates me that this is the status quo. Like right. the status quo shouldn't be 10,000 people apply for a job. You talk to 20 of them, you extend an offer and you keep it moving. Right. And that's literally what every single company is doing. A, they're not running a fair process because if we were running a fair process then we would make sure that every single applicant gets screened and because they're not running a fair process, people don't have access to visibility. And we can talk about D&I at nauseum, but every company says they give a fuck about diversity. And they've been saying, oh, it's a pipeline problem. Like we have to focus on the pipeline. It doesn't have shit to do with the pipeline. It has everything to do with the process, right? Like you have a poor process. And because you have a poor process, you're not seeing the best quality candidate. You're overlooking the majority of the people that apply. You're not being fair to everyone that does apply because you're not giving them a, a chance to actually be seen and be graded fairly for their aptitude to actually do the job, right? And you ghost half of your pipeline, right? Like no one walks away feeling good <laughs> after. And to me, that's our opportunity. Like, ultimately our, our tool, and this, is, this was also a pivot, like we went from doing kind of marketplace stuff. At, at one point we thought we were gonna have job seekers on one side and companies on the other, right? In the, this new phase of the business, it's solely B2B, right? Like we have software for recruiters, but it's our way of actually helping the job seeker because we recognize if we don't infiltrate the system, if we don't find a way to improve the process for recruiters, everyone that applies is going to continue to fall by the wayside, right? right. Like, so you change the game, basically. Yeah, no, this is absolutely a game changer. I like of all the many things I could be doing. <laughs> um, like, quick story. I think this is maybe one of the last times I ran into you. Um, we hosted something with Nike. This is pre-COVID when we could actually still be outside. Yeah, um, Nike Soho. That relation, yeah, yeah, yeah. That relationship with Nike, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. 
Um, but the person that got the deal done is, is now an advisor of mine. And this was kind of like after the beta, we knew we were going to pivot. I knew we were going to kind of start to prep for fundraising and, and building out our team and all the stuff. And she reached out to me and she texted me and she was like, hey, Ariel, we need someone to run talent for Nike in New York. Like, how about you leave NAC <laughs> and come join the team? And I remember like sending her a, net, a note back and I was like, this is like the ideal job, but this is how I know I'm really serious about this. Like, I cannot do that. Like, I, I have to be heads down and focus on this, right? Wow. Like, there's no better opportunity. If I had taken that job, right? You'd like, be I winning the sneakers app right now. Dude, I would have a sick-ass apartment in Gramercy. I would have dry fit everything down to my towels. I would be in the employee store getting vintage wear from like the 90s. Like that, that is it, right? And I think I talk about this all the time when it comes to entrepreneurship specifically. And I know we, we need to talk about helping people find jobs and we will spend a lot of time on that. But if you are thinking about embarking down the road of entrepreneurship or, or starting your own business, it's resilience, right? It's 100% resilience. It's perseverance. It's making a commitment to see things through, right? Like most people, A, don't have the appetite for risk to go out and do something like this because it is incredibly risky. You can fail. Most startups do fail, right? Like you have to have that in mind while you continue to build. But you also have to be so passionate, so hellbent, like so stuck on your idea and it coming to fruition that literally anything else, even if it sounds amazing, cannot face you, right? And to me, that's when I knew in my heart of hearts, like, yo, you're in this until the wheels fall off. Because if there was an out... <laughs> That was the opportunity to go, collect a check, get some stock, and chill out, right? Um, but I continue to be be crazy anyway. So you're not crazy. You know, you're you're following your dream, you're following your passion, which is, you know, what we are told to do, right? Everyone tells us like, yo, follow. A your little dreams. crazy. <laughs> you, know, you have to be a little still crazy. Look, still a little crazy. Yeah. You, you have to. You have to be absolutely. Um, you have to be. So, you know, yeah, so, so, you know, shifting a little bit, talking about, you know, going back to the job seekers, right? So, yeah, you know, um, one of the things, you know, when we look at the tech sector, um, it doesn't really look like us. So I'm, so I'm a product marketing manager. And when I go into the rooms now, I don't really see anyone like me, right? It's, it's not diverse at all. Um, what do you think we can do to increase diversity? Like, what are some of the roles that you see or you see, or what are some of the opportunities you, you see where people can jump into like right away and, and, and start to make a difference and start to, to make that impact. Because again, like this summer, all the companies said, Hey, we want Brown, we want black people. You know, we want you guys, we want to hire you. We, yeah. love you. We, we need you. Yeah. They all said that, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So a few things, I think first and foremost, you have to address process. And we kind of talked about this, like to me, for a company, from a company perspective, that's where it starts. Like it doesn't have anything to do with your pipeline. I can put you in a room full of black and brown people tomorrow and they'll all have amazing resumes and you not hire any of them. 
because you still have the same shitty process <laughs> that you were using before. So that homogeneous culture that you see, right? The tendency of hiring the same person over and over again is because of poor process. It's because the recruiter doesn't have time or, or bandwidth to actually be meaningful about how they screen and evaluate applicants, right? So I talked about if you had 10,000 applications in your pipeline, you only talked to 20 people, right? The recruiter will look at all 10,000 of, of those applications, get overwhelmed. And what will happen is they will either rely on referrals, like, hey, Jim, does your friend still need a job? Or do you know anyone, right? They'll rely on pattern matching, like, hey, can we find more people from Stanford? Can we find more people from the investor network? They rely on nepotism. Does your cousin still need a job? There's an opening on the product team, right? Like that is why the industry looks the way that it does. It's not because recruiters are inherently racist or sexist or biased or any of those things, although that does exist. It really comes down to bandwidth, right? Like I'm a big believer if they were able to see everyone in their pipeline and they had the time to have quality conversations, which is what they should be spending their time doing, you would see more diverse people on teams, right? There's a direct effect there. And I would be remiss to not, not say that. That being said, on the job seeker front, you don't know what you don't know. And to me, that was like one of my biggest pains as a recruiter because I was the gatekeeper, right? I went from being a college dropout to telling people that had Harvard MBAs that they weren't good enough for a job, right? Like that goes to show you how fucked up the system is. Like, who am I to tell this person no when they just spent $200,000 to go find an entry-level position somewhere, right? I feel, I feel that, seen. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that. Um, that being said, the biggest advice I can give to anyone is learn how to position yourself and your skills to become a value add to the organization that you want to work at, right? That's a wor very wordy way of saying, what is your secret sauce, right? The clearer you are on why a company should hire you, what they stand to gain by way of bringing you on their team, those are the people that win. Like, I know people that have all the skills. Maybe you worked at two tech companies beforehand, right? Like your resume looks good, but your communication skills suck. You don't know how to position yourself. You don't know what your value that is. You don't know how to communicate that to the employer so they understand, oh shit, I really do need to hire this person because if we do, our sales are going to go up, right? Like the person that's able to see the bigger picture and build that business case as to this is why you should hire me your mindset needs to go from please hire me to this is why you should hire me, right? Like very different, very different messaging. Please hire me is, is it gives off a, a tone of desperation. Like I need this job, even though you need the job, right? Yeah. You should hire me says, hey, this is more of a what's in it for you, <laughs> less than of a, a what's in it for me. And I think, People that understand that nuance, those are the people that win. Those are the people that get the offers and the offers that they want because they know how to negotiate 
and they know what they understand what their value is. Um, so I just wanted to make sure I brought that up. Like, please, please, please think about that at every level of your career. How am I positioning myself? How am I selling myself? That being said, as far as tech at large, there are several high growth um, fields and, and roles that you can get into. I think everyone will tell you, you need to learn how to code to work in tech. And that's a fucking, like, it's just false and I hate it. And that's been the narrative for way too long. Um, I think if we're talking about our community specifically, right? We naturally do well at sales. We naturally do well at marketing, right? Like that's just who we are, right? So I always encourage people from communities of color, like get into sales, get into marketing. Like they're easier roles to get into. They're not going to be looking for that really strong technical background. And guess what? You still make money. Like the highest paid person at a tech company is not always an engineer. Because guess what? That salesperson has a quota. And if they're meeting that quota, I know salespeople that make half a million dollars a year when it's all paid out, right? The engineer is not seeing anywhere like half of that. So be very cognizant of that. If you're in it for the money, <laughs> look at the sales. Get all the money. Um, seriously, product, I love. I think products, and I know you're in a product marketing role. The cool thing with product is there's all of these adjacent roles that you can kind of fall into. Like there's product marketing. There's just product itself right there's ux design which overlaps with products like there's a lot of hybrid type of roles where if you're coming from a field where you weren't doing that that work verbatim you still have enough transferable skills that it can translate into these types of roles um operations at large project management um this was used to be a hot job. I don't know anymore because of COVID, but office managers, which are basically very well-paid executive assistants and administrative assistants, right? You yep. need someone to like figure out where people are going, right? Like make sure that meetings are running smoothly, like doing all the operational stuff. At that point, pre-COVID, these were the people that would figure out the menus for the company. Like, what is everyone at Google going to eat this week? <laughs> How much money are we going to spend on coffee? Right? Like I much rather do that than have a shitty like executive assistant job in finance or consulting or another industry where it's not as fun and I don't get the benefits. Like that's why I push for tech because it is the only industry that is adjacent to every other industry. Like you can be an accountant or a lawyer you can be general counsel at facebook lord knows they need it right like what you don't Absolutely need do. to go the traditional route for shitty pay like go get paid by one of these tech companies take all of their benefits right and still do the thing that you want to do do the thing that you're passionate about doing you don't have to fit a box to get into the industry. Yeah, we we kind of look at the tech companies. I know there's like this big barrier, like, wow, like Facebook is so big, you know, Google's so big, uh, Apple. And, and the reality is, you know, having those, that niche um, skill set can get you in. And 
the more of us that can get in, the more of us we can change things. We can potentially make Facebook less galactic empire. Exactly. You know, make yes. Google <laughs> a little bit nicer. You know. Yeah. And you know, from a star perspective, there's so many companies that are starting up. You know, being able to to get in there. Um, some are well funded, and you know, you can actually get in right before they get either you know acquired or hit their IPO and cash out. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can start to build up your skills and then move to another company and, and become that person who's, you know, really, you know, really good at helping startups, you know, grow and then move on to the next one. Um, I just think there's a lot of opportunity in that, in that space, which is why I'm talking to you about it. Cause you know, we, again, every, you know, being in business travel before, you know, travel pretty much died. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. It's and been hard. it's been super hard, but then, with the advent of Zoom and Google Meet, you know, now you're that office manager who most of the time is managing the travel budget because they have more one job. It's like, wait a minute, I don't need to plan that all team meeting here in, you know, New York. Everybody, we can just zoom in for this for this meeting now. And so there's that shift of responsibilities and a shift of tactics, but some things are still needed right and so mm-hmm. i think um we kind of have to get that mentality of like how do we shift how do we start to pivot as well and not be so place not be so um sedentary but then the other side of it is how do we go get them go get the rest of the money right because there's a lot of opportunity there yeah uh, i think one of the questions i have for you um dun, 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 dun. If I am, so when I talk to kids, like, try to talk, like when I talk to my daughter, like, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to teach. I'm like, awesome, cool. Yeah. Before she wanted to be a model, and I was like, all right. <laughs> she's like, she's like, dad, I want to be a model. So when I turn 18, I'm going to be a model. I'm going to move to Brooklyn, have my own apartment. I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> have a plan. Now she's like, I want to be a teacher. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, Marlon went out the door, yeah. um, but I still support her either way. So it's it's pretty cool. But like when I talk to her, I talk to friends, you know, talk to my nephews, talk to kids, like, and you know, we start to look around and say, you know, what is it that you want to do? Um, how do you how do we talk to those kids to get them interested in, in feel like jobs in tech? Because right now they see like the rappers, they see the you know, everybody's a, everybody's a little now. Everybody wants yeah. to rap. You know, sports has always been there. But, like, again, there's so much opportunity, so much money. And, you know, as we have, you know, we've all learned how to code from in MySpace. Yeah. Um, and we use apps and we use phones. And we use so many devices. Like, they're already pretty much predis- predispositioned yeah. to, for a tech job. So how do yeah. I get that? How do I convince that teenager to, to go into a uh, career tech well i think you just need to educate them that it's a possibility right you, it starts with a phone like you could literally point at an app and say hey did you know that you could work here you use this all day long did you know you could work at instagram did you know you could work at snapchat did you know you could work at tiktok because they're hiring right now i mean that's for someone that's more so ready to like break in but 
I think from a really young age, just letting kids know that they're more than consumers of, of these apps and these products that they're using. Like they could actually work at these companies and help design them. Like if I don't have kids, but at the point I do, assuming I have a son, he probably plays, I don't know, Xbox. I know everyone's been arguing about the PS5 and this is when I'm happy. I don't have kids. <laughs> PS5 um, is hot in the streets right now. Too much drama surrounding it. But letting them know you like gaming, awesome. Did you know that gaming translates into these different types of fields? Like you could actually be a game designer. You could be a UI designer. You could be an engineer, right? Just letting them know that those possibilities exist. And I said this before, you don't know what you don't know. And I'm a big believer that that breakdown and one of the biggest, biggest barriers is lack of education around what's possible. So once you start to kind of break it down into blatant terms, like this is what you can do, or if you have a knack for this, or if you're interested in this, this translates into this field, you now plant the seed in their mind so they know, oh, this is something to think of, right? The only reason all of us, that went to college, our parents told us become a lawyer, become a doctor, become an engineer, whatever. It's because that was the only thing that they knew. And that was the, the seeds that got planted. I can't begin to tell you the amount of friends that I have that work in finance that fucking hate it. And the only reason they went into finance in the first place is because they thought that's where they could make money. Right? That is what was told to them. Like, go work on Wall Street. But you don't have to work on Wall Street. You can work at a tech company and make just as much money and have just as much upside as if you were a broker, right? So I think it comes down to having those conversations at home, but it really comes down to this, this system, this education system in this country that is so fucking broken. Um, and it's going to take some time to, to really fix it. But I think educators need to be thinking about how do we build curriculum and training programs that are aligned with the market? It's not enough just to teach somebody a, a subject or a skill. You need to be able to train them to know how, how they leverage that and what kind of opportunity that can turn into for them. And I agree, absolutely. Um, I think it's important for sure to, to start shifting, start teaching, teaching the kids there are different ways, right? Because again, like we see the paths, we see the despair. Um, through my nonprofit, like we work with kids all the time, and you know, it's like you, we we do a career fair, and we'll show them, you know, you can become an engineer, you can become a plumber, you can become an electrician. Like these are very well-paying jobs. That yeah. you know, if you're you if you're really good with your hands, you can become a carpenter. Like you can build a house. You can learn how to fix things. You want to become a mechanic. Like there's no there's no shame in being able to have a skill or acquire a skill, or learn a skill, and then use that to, you know, make a living. Um, yeah. So I think we do definitely need to, to kind of champion it. Um, if I am mid-career and I'm looking to make a change, like, what is it, how would I start to position, I guess, my resume so that mm -hmm. I could make myself look better for the ATS? potentially get that recruiter to see it or 
if I get that referral and they actually are like, all right, Jason, here's your shot. What can I do to, to get to that point where they're like, we're going to give you this shot? Yeah, I think if you're mid-career, the most important thing to do is make sure that everything that's irrelevant is off of your resume. Like, whatever your first job out of college was, that internship you had, unless it directly relates to the role that you're looking for, get it off of your resume. The only thing that needs to be on your resume are the things that are most valuable to the job, right? Like, study the job description really have a strong understanding of, of what the employer is looking for, make sure that the resume is a match to that and take off everything that doesn't align. Um, that was my, my biggest piece of advice. I think tactically speaking and strategically speaking, your network matters more than anything else, right? Like we happen to be building a product that will level the playing field for everyone. And I'm excited about it, but until NAC is in the hands of every single company, right? There's going to be some jobs that you apply for where your resume is going to go into that black hole. And the only way you can guarantee some type of visibility around the application is by following up, making sure you have a connection with a hiring manager and making sure that you reach out to a recruiter on LinkedIn or on Twitter, or on social, letting them know that you exist, flagging your application, letting them know that you're interested. Um, the people that are able to fully close that loop are the people that feel, get through the noise, all right? So if you can have a referral, you definitely want to be having a referral. And your network means everything, especially if you're looking at, uh, into tech jobs. Yeah, I, um, I got... I've been getting I've been getting more recruiters um, dropping into my my LinkedIn mailbox. Like they've been, it's it's been interesting because, you know, when I, I would say probably the last like three four months, the recruiting picks up. Um, it's been picking up half heavily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In in you know, in the reality of it is, when you get to like October November, usually it's done. Like your yeah. people are no longer hiring, budgets are closing off. You know, it's like, okay, well, this is great. This is for next year. And yeah, I've seen, I've been getting emails, emails, you know, requests, requests. So I've been, I've been on the circuit. Um, and I think the thing that I guess that I find the most fascinating is when you do go for those interviews and then you don't get any feedback. Because it's like. <laughs> we are working on it. With so many people being unemployed right now, you know, what's the one piece of advice you could give to someone who's looking like to get a job? Because I think that's one of the things that we, it's important right now is to try and find a job uh, so that we can get back on our feet. Uh, because, you know, especially people of color, it seems like the unemployment numbers always skew against us. No, they do. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think, Hopefully, if you listen to the entire episode, <laughs> you listen to my tips around your resume and building your network, um, really understanding your your value proposition as a professional and being able to articulate that. I think those are all pro tips. Um, I spoke about resiliency and perseverance as it relates to entrepreneurship, but to me, that's the cheat code when it comes to job seeking as well. 
right? Like anybody that I've ever coached, that I've ever worked with, that was transitioning, whether it's because of unemployment or a layoff or they got fired or they just got sick and tired of their job and wanted to find something new. The only people that end up in positions that they want are the people that see things through. So I think your job search is mentally taxing. Um, Like I'm no stranger to depression and anxiety. And I, I think I care so deeply about people's careers because your career is your life, right? Like everyone talks about work-life balance, but that's bullshit. Ultimately it's integration (laughs) and and hopefully you're working on something that you like. Um, That thing also happens to pay the bills for you and you don't feel like you're struggling from paycheck to paycheck to try to make it. And as someone that's been in that position before, I know what that can do do to your confidence. I know what that does to your self-esteem. I think everyone hits the point in the job search where you start doubting yourself. You start doubting everything, right? Like clearly there's something wrong with me or I would have found a job by now or clearly there's something wrong with them because (laughs) I'm amazing and why can't they recognize that? Um, All the narratives that kind of play in your head, right? I think it's so time consuming and, and beyond it being time consuming, it has a major effect on your energy. And what people don't realize is your energy does precede you, especially in an interview setting, right? Like recruiters pick up on everything because we're trained to. Um, so if you sound desperate or if you sound doubtful or if you don't come across confident, like you are the person that we need, we're going to go with the person that we feel as though is better, even though you may be the right person for the role. So I think self-care, like do everything that you can to um, take time to make sure that you're feeling good about yourself, whether that's journaling or exercising, meditating, talking to a friend, whatever you need to do, dance breaks in the middle of the day, like whatever like makes you feel good, like make sure that you practice that consistently. And then also do your best to not tie your emotions to the search. And I think that's the hardest part. Like when you're getting rejected, when you feel like you're losing hope and you're losing faith, you start to feel like it's your fault, right? Like I have no one to blame for myself for things not being the way that I want them to be right now. But in the grand scheme of things, you actually are always where you're supposed to be, right? So I think reminding yourself that regardless of where you are today, you're on a stepping, you're stepping into something greater. And I think as you're able to kind of build that confidence back up, that translates And I'm a big believer in law of attraction. I'm a big believer in energy. And I think if you're giving off positive vibes, if you're giving off vibes of someone that is unstoppable, someone that's invincible, someone that doesn't care about your validation, like I'm just going to keep driving towards the goal. Um, I had this conversation with one of my friends a couple of weeks ago. I missed the Jordan series. I feel like (laughs) that's the last time things were somewhat normal. We were all looking forward to it. Um, well, actually, no, it wasn't normal. Damn, 2020 has been a long year. We were definitely <laughs> in, in a pandemic. That, that was our savior. Year. No, you're right. I'm that 
that's came out last year. That's what yeah. was saving our. That was definitely saving us. Like man, that okay. was like phase one along with Tiger King. Um, but I bring up the Jordan uh, series specifically. If you haven't watched the documentary, you probably just know the success, the track record of the Bulls, right? Like before the Bulls were the championship winning Bulls. They were getting their ass beat by the Pistons for years. Like, do you know how hard it must have been for Michael Jordan to go into, like, the third year of the playoffs against these guys? Like, here we go again. (laughs) Let's see if we can beat them this time and still not win, right? Like, going back to the locker room in tears, having your soul, like, your heart stepped on, right? Like, you have to put yourself in the mindset of anyone that's achieved anything great. Like, Jordan could have said, fuck this. <laughs> I'm out of the, I'm done with the league or I'm done with the Bulls, right? Like, trans- trade me, I'm gonna go to another team. Like, there were a lot of things he could have done, but ultimately he, he stuck to, to persevere and see things through. Like, we wouldn't, no, we wouldn't have, he wouldn't have six rings if he let the Pistons beating them stop him, right? And I think if you can take that similar mindset to your search, like, I may be hearing no right now, the, this is hard right now, I know I can be in a better position, let me continue to will myself there, right? And when you finally get into that role, or whatever circumstance you're looking for, you'll be able to look back and be like, mm, that was a rough period of time, but I needed that period of time because it was preparing me for something greater. Yeah, and, and the, one of the things they did was he added tools, right? So he, he got stronger. He realized, you're right. I realized, well, you know what? They, they keep beating up on me. They keep hitting me. <laughs> so if I start lifting weights and get stronger, yeah. then I can start hitting them back. Yeah. Um, and and that then in turn changed the mindset to we're gonna no longer be pushed around. We're gonna start doing all the pushing. Yep. That's a that's a great analogy. Great analogy. Um, where can we find you on the internet? Where can we find you uh, social wise, company yes, wise? Yes. yes, yes, yes. So on the internet, um, you can find me on Twitter at Ariel Lopez. There's two underscores after that because apparently my name is popular. Um, on Instagram, it's Ariel Lopez XO because I am unoriginal and I couldn't think of anything else to add on. Um, I highly suggest that if you are actively job hunting, connect with me on LinkedIn. There I am, just Ariel Lopez, and you should be able to find me relatively easily. Um, as far as NAC is concerned, it's Hello Knack on Twitter, Hello Knack on Instagram, and the website is www.knac.io. Um, the only thing that I will note is we're revamping our product and we're, we're launching a new version soon. So you're not going to see much on the website right now, and that's purposeful. <laughs> We will come out of stealth mode soon. Um, If you are a job seeker, um, in the past, we have sent newsletters with opportunities, events, um, like webinars, access to our network. 
I think we still continue to do that. It will probably just look a little bit different because the product has changed. Um, so just keep in touch with us. Um, and hopefully, if you're looking for a job next year and you get a canned rejection email, it won't be canned. It will actually be an email from Nat. And it will give you a little clarity and some hope on what you need to do to get better in your career. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ariel. I really appreciate you taking this time to drop all these gems for us. Um, I think the listeners are going to like this episode. Oh, yay. I hope so. Thanks for having me. This is great. All right. Take care. Man, I really want to thank Ariel for sharing so much vital information and bringing some transparency to the recruiting process. Hopefully, you've taken notes. You go find her on LinkedIn and on the social media platforms and seek your help because she's definitely a good person to be connected to. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share Digital Soul Food with your friends. My hope is we can all share and we can all eat. Stay safe. And until next time, peace. Thank you for coming out. 